Welcome to another edition of Brandon Sports Podcast. On this episode, we are having a special theme about the Phoenix Suns, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion era. On this episode, we have a special guest also. His name is Brian Pierre Antoine, also known as the only Phoenix Suns fan in New York. How you doing, Brian? Welcome to the show. How you doing, Brandon? That's probably a factual statement. I probably am the only Phoenix Suns fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very odd, man. Um, Ever since I've known you, anybody that doesn't know, you know, Brian's a longtime friend of mine since elementary school. And, you know, this kid just, he's always loved the Phoenix Suns for some reason. Can you tell the people why you love the Phoenix Suns and what made you fall in love with them? Yeah. um, So everybody always asks me, why are you a Suns fan? Why are you a Suns fan? Honestly, it started out, I was about eight, nine years old. I didn't really care about basketball. You know, just randomly play casually. And then I bought this game, NBA Live 06. And, you know, I don't really know too much about basketball, but I could see the ratings on the game. So at the time, the Suns had the highest rating, and I kept beating everybody with them. So I was like, why not? So I was pretty much a bandwagon fan. And then I just fell in love with them, kept watching them. And that's really the behind-the-scenes story as to why I chose the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, so basically uh, can't beat them, join them type of thing. <laughs> Of a video game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. So we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns era that you grew up in and that we grew up in where they had Amari Stoudemire, uh, Steve Nash, uh, Sean Marion, Leandro Barbosa, and all those cats, man. Very fun team to watch. And, you know, it's always a beginning point to every franchise and always, you know, the starting root of a franchise that I'm very interested in. So for the Phoenix Suns in that era, what, what was the starting point for you? Uh, I'll say starting point must have been like right after they traded Joe Johnson to Atlanta. Mm. I yeah. I think I think that was the big starting point for the Phoenix Suns. Do you uh, remember who they uh who they received in that trade? Uh, last time I remember, it was I believe it was for Boris Diaw, and uh, mm. oh yeah, it was for Boris Diaw and a future first round pick in two thousand eight that ended up being Robin Lopez. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, that was a very weird trade. I mean, I, Joe Johnson, if he would have still with them boys, maybe he would have made a difference. You know what it was? It was a, it was a, a cheap owner, man. He Joe Johnson wanted like a, a max contract, and the Suns owner was like, nah, I don't, I don't think we need Joe. We have Nash, Amari, and Marion, and I think that's what we need. And so Atlanta, you know, they threw out a big contract to Joe, so the Suns did a sign and trade with Atlanta for Boris Dio. Yeah, man. And it actually worked out for Joe, man. He had a pretty nice career with Atlanta. And then he went to Brooklyn and he finished out, I believe, in Utah in his last seasons. Yeah, man. I, I love Iso Joe, man. You know, I mean, you know, too, man, as a Nets fan, what he does to the team. Yeah. <laughs> you already know. And the man was super clutch and a reliable scorer. I'll give you that much, man. Beast. All right. So. Steve Nash, man, a lot of people don't realize how important he was to this well-oiled machine. Tell me about uh, how he got there and, you know, his his introduction to the Phoenix Suns franchise. Oh, yeah. So, you know, seven seconds or less Suns. You can't say that without saying Steve Nash. I mean, after by the Suns in 96, uh, a lot of people don't know, he, he played behind two, like, future Hall of Fame point guards and Ken Johnson and Jason Kidd. So he was a third string. So what the Suns did, they traded Nash, I believe, in 1998 to Dallas because at that time they just had too many great guards. And then that's when Nash went to Dallas. That's when he became an all-star. 
He created a name of his own, and him and Dirk were just a great combo. Yeah, man, I can only imagine, you know, having to guard that pick and roll, pick and pop with uh, Nash and Dirk in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, you can. I mean, everybody knows. I, I personally think Nash is the best pick and roll ball handler of all time. Um, him and Dirk, I mean, that one-two combo was just unstoppable. But fortunately, they faced Shaq and Kobe and others and couldn't get past them. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right on that one. So when Steve Nash, he, he got drafted by the Suns, then they got rid of him. He went to Dallas. And then he came back to Phoenix in the later part of his career. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, Mark Cuban just didn't want to resign Nash, probably because of age. I mean, he was 30 years old, having a lot of back problems, issues uh, with injuries. And so at that time, you know, when you're 30 years old, you know, technology in 2004 was different than it is now. Um, so Mark Cuban pretty much gave up on Nash. And Phoenix gave Nash a good deal. Nash took it, and he ran off with it. Yeah, man, I mean – he really ran off with it. I mean, he won an MVP in one of those years, I believe, or I think two of them, no? Or one or two? Uh, Nash won two. Like, a lot of people, for some reason, they hate on it, you know? I think the first MVP he won, I think he deserved it. It was 2004, 2005. I believe he deserved it because they won 62 games that year. Now, prior to the year before, they were around, like, 30 games. So, like, a 30-game difference, I believe you should win MVP. And then the second year, 05, 06, a lot of people don't know, Stoudemire was hurt that whole year. He only played about three games. Mm. And, and for them to win, like, 57 games, first seed, without Stoudemire, I mean, you got to give it to him. Yeah, I mean, Nash was just insane during those years, man. I mean, the debate for best point guard was always, you know, Nash. or And then my guy, you know, you know I'm a Nets fan. <laughs> it was always either him or Jason Kidd, I remember, yeah. you know, growing up. Yeah, the, the the battle of the point guards, we call it. Two of them. Yeah, the point guards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, man, a lot of people, they felt Kobe Bryant was deserving of an MVP during that second uh, year that Nash won the MVP. Yeah, I was I was listening to your previous episode with the Kobe thing. I get it. Like, Kobe did average 35. But, I mean, I guess MVP criteria, your team has to win. And his team was seventh seed. Ironically, they lost to the Suns that first round. Uh, they lost to the Suns, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... You know, I, I personally thought Nash deserved it, you know. But it is what it is. Also, Kobe didn't – he didn't have really the best team of all time. I'll give him that, you know. He put up those insane numbers. But, you know, was one thing that I need for the NBA writers, you know, to have a clear criteria of who deserves the MVP because there's no clear criteria. I mean, each year, I don't know if they're going by stats. I don't know if they're going by, you know, who has more wins with their team who has better success in the playoffs. I just don't know what the criteria is for MVP anymore. Well, from what, I, from what I'm looking at, like with history, do like something spectacular that has never been done before, such as Westbrook, uh, you know, averaging a triple-double. I believe they picked the MVP of whoever has the best record and whoever's the best player on that best team with the best record. Yeah, that's interesting, man, because – there's a lot of guys that were very deserving, man, and they just didn't get it the year, or someone else got yep. it, and a lot of people were very hesitant on, you know. D Wade never got an MVP. Great players, yeah. Yeah, you know, Kobe only has one, <laughs> and he's probably one of the greatest players ever. Yeah, but Kobe said the best. I'd rather have rings than MVP. So. Yeah, that was his yeah. mentality. You know, he always wanted those winning, 
those winning championships more important to him. Sure. All right, man. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, the second piece to that Phoenix Suns era. Amari Stoudemire, you know, Mr. Highlight Real himself. Oh, man. Amari was like, as a child, bro, that's all I wanted to play like, be like. That was like, he was the best player, in my opinion, um, on the Suns after National Court. Um Stoudemire was just a dynamic pick-and-roll scorer. I mean, he was a big man that we haven't seen before, you know, in that era. Um, an athletic big who can pick and pop, pick and roll, block shots, rebound. He ran like a gazelle, man. So, like, that's why Mike D'Antoni would put him at the center position, knowing that he could outrun those low centers, such as Shaq, Yao Ming, you know, et cetera. Yeah, I was going to say, man, he was undersized for the center, but D'Antoni ran him a lot at the uh, five. Yeah, he was undersized, but people have to understand, like, the dude had enormous hands and could jump out the gym, like – so, you know, he had a, a taller guy on. He just jumped and blocked the shot right there. But it just really created the mismatch uh, with Stoudemire because a lot of bigs just couldn't handle his face game. He never had a back-to-the-basket game, which disappointed me. But his face-up game, man, was too real. Yeah, man, that's another thing, man. He developed a jump shot also in the second half of his career, you know. Um, it was very consistent when he was on the Knicks, man. And he almost won an MVP there with the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken. He had a great year. Man, Stoudemire, I'm telling you, like, I think he's the only big man that, that went toe-for-toe with Tim Duncan and gave him nightmares. Like, he's – and mind you, Stoudemire was about 22, 23 going against Duncan, giving him 38, 40, giving KG 40, Rasheed Wallace, Chris Webber, Elton Brand, all those great power forwards back in the thousands. Stoudemire was giving everybody, everybody buckets. Yeah, Amari was cold, man. I remember him dunking on uh, people and pointing <laughs> at them and shit after the dunk. Yeah. You know, he was just very cold, man. Uh, do you remember the day when they dra- – uh, did they draft him or uh, was he traded to the So they drafted him in 2002. Um, I think he was the ninth pick. Uh, he, he was destined to go to Suns. I mean, he said the workout he had with the Suns was the best, and he didn't work out for no other team. So he was just destined to be a Phoenix Sun, to be honest. Damn, that's crazy because, uh, in my opinion, I think it took a little longer for him to develop, you know? Well, yeah, you got to understand, too, like, coming out of high school, you don't really know the fundamentals. You're bigger, stronger than everybody. You just dunk. And, then, you know, I mean, he did win rookie of the year. Yao Ming didn't win that. Um, but he was a man amongst boys, man, just that vertical, explosiveness, quickness. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was insane, man. I mean, him and uh, Nash on the pick and roll was insane, I mean. Shit. That pick and roll and with Basin. Nash would have a yeah, Nash would have a great, you know, pocket pass too to feed him right at right at his chest where he could just go right up and dunk it. I agree, yeah. And also like Steven and Mar, they just had that, like you said, that connection. You know, Steven Nash, Amari pick and roll. Next you know you got shooters. That offense is unstoppable. Yeah, man. And another piece of that offense, man, the the forgotten man probably. Sean Marion, the Matrix as they called him. Talk to me a little bit about the Matrix. Tricks? Oh, man, I love Tricks. Underrated. I think he's, man, probably like top 10 most underrated players of all time. Like, Yeah, he's definitely one of the most underrated players of that generation, for sure. Bro, he's, mind you. Probably all time. He's 6'7", probably about 220. He had to guard. He might, Mike D'Antoni plays him at power forward. So he had to guard Tim Duncan, Garnett, all those big guys. He still would get 20 and 10. But... What I loved about Marion was that his second jump was so good. So, like, he could play the powerful position because he had hops. 
But those Suns teams were only good because Sean Marion was the mismatch because a lot of fours couldn't run with Sean Marion. Like, he was really quick. He played like a small forward. So that's what made him great. Yeah, that team played with a lot of pace. I mean, I think they were the highest uh, team with pace in that era. They started that, you know, that running gun shit, if I remember. Yeah, they, they started it. Um, I wish they continued it. But, you know, it's not like the league with today um, where, like, the Warriors, everybody wants to shoot threes and everything. But back then, you know, if you're running and gun and shooting threes, people looked at you like, whoa, this is not how you play basketball. You got to dump it inside, give it to the post person in the post, let them score. You got to play inside out. So, uh, you know, Steve Kerr was a GM at the time. Uh, the owner, they they were starting to think, like, man, is this running gun, seven seconds left, going to work? I, I personally wish they continued because I thought it would have worked. But once they trade Sean Marion, man, it was over for that. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I remember a lot of people used to clown Sean Marion for his <laughs> jumper. <laughs> <laughs> it was ugly, but it went in. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, man. A lot of people used to make fun of Sean Marion's jumper. That that jump shot was very, very uh, strange. The ugliest shit, bro. It was one of the ugliest jumps I've ever seen in my life. But <laughs> <laughs> ever, ever. All right. What about the supporting cast on the bench? People forget this team had a very good bench, if I'm not mistaken. They had a really, really good bench that made them, you know, top seeds in the West during this era. Yeah, I mean, the, their bench was really good. The main supporters coming off the bench was uh, Barbosa, Boris Diaw, uh, James Jones, the three-point shooter who wins, like, every ring every year. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they just had a great bench. They just I, – I just feel like they lacked a backup point guard when Nash got a little tired. But um, as far as the bench, man, Barbosa winning six-man a year, Boris Diaw, playmaker, shooter, they had a really good bench. Yeah, who was the backup point guard during that, See that era? If I See, that's the thing. Like, at one point, it was like Marcus Banks, and then Goran Dragic came. But by the time Dragic came, Nash was done. So it, they didn't really have a solid backup point guard. It was just, it was bad. Yeah. 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 Dragic, she came on the ladder in right. the era. Yeah. Uh, Banks, I don't like <laughs> exactly. him at all. So they definitely needed help, help and, you know, Backing up Sean, uh, Steve Nash. Like they had Eddie House, but he wasn't really a point guard. He's more like, you know, trying to look for a shot. So, yeah, I mean, we drafted Eddie House. He was good oh, wow. for us, you know, when he, we first had him, you know, and the Nets, he was a backup for kids. So I guess you guys picked him up. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. We had Eddie House. I remember that. Talk to me a little bit about Mike D'Antoni, man, the coach who started this running gun offense. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni. So, uh, before Nash got there, he actually was the coach of the Suns with Sean Marion and Stoudemire. And Stephon Marbury <laughs> was his point guard. Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Um, but then once Nash got there, I mean, they their offense just clicked. I, I think Mike D'Antoni's a point guard-driven, space-the-floor type of guy. That's why when you look at all the guards that play for D'Antoni, they all had career highs with the points and assists. Um, Jeremy Lin, Raymond Felton, uh, James Harden, you know what I'm saying? He just yeah he gives you the ultimate green light. Shoot the ball. Yeah, a lot of people um they they think Mike D'Antoni was just all about mm -hmm. offense, but I don't know. I don't think you could just win with offense. I think they you know some of those teams had to play some defense. Yeah. You can't just win on offense. Yeah, ball. and that's the thing too. Like I mean, I've I've heard in multiple interviews like Mike D'Antoni is probably like seventy five percent offense, and then twenty five percent defense. But in my opinion. 
you can't really teach defense like that. You know what I mean? I feel like you have to have that personnel. Like the Suns, they had Sean Marion, who loved playing defense. Rajah Bell, who loved – you know Rajah Bell getting after you defensively. So they had – yeah, oh, they yeah. had a couple guys who had pride. was like, wait, I just got to get scored on. Like, we're going to play some defense too. I'm not saying we're like Detroit Pistons defense, but, you know, if we're in top 10, top 15, we're fine with that. Yeah, you got to have some dogs on defense, especially when you need a big yeah, stop, exactly. you know, late in game. For sure, for sure, man. Now, talk to me a little bit about uh, which season stood out to you, you know, which Suns team of that era stood out to you the most? Um, so, all right, I'll go with one. I think the 04-05 Phoenix Suns, personally, I'm going to say this, I think they're the best team to never win a championship. I think they had Nash, Joe Johnson, Q Rich, Sean Marion and mm, Quentin Richardson. Yep. Man. He was a he was a sniper, sniper man. bro. And so that five, they went they won sixty-two games. Literally they round and I think they beat Dallas the second round. It was like four to two. And then Western Conference Finals against the Spurs, they got swept, but a lot of people don't know Joe Johnson uh broke his bone like in his face or whatever. So he was hurt like that whole season. That whole playoff uh, matchup, but I think if they kept Joe, man, that that era would have went crazy. Just imagine a young twenty-five Joe Johnson with Nash starting on twenty-five until like you know two thousand ten. Um, but another another season that stood out to me was the oh six oh seven season. I think that was legitimately the best shot for the Phoenix Suns. But if you go back rewind to I believe it was Game Four. With Robert Ory, uh, hip check Steve Nash, that that ruined everything because Stoudemire and Boris Dio got suspended. And, yeah, they got suspended in that yeah, fight, right? And then San Antonio yeah. went on to go play Cleveland and sweep them. And I know Phoenix would have destroyed Cleveland. So, yeah, that that Suns team that year, I remember that year clearly. And I was in the right, fourth we were grade, in the fourth grade, but. Yeah, we remember that year because that was just a big year for my team, also the Nets, and we played you guys one game. It was insane. Triple I overtime. Mean, the numbers in that game. Was it the triple overtime or the double overtime game? Yeah. Yep, the triple <laughs> overtime game. I mean, he remembers it, man. You know, it was like I think I think two guys put up triple doubles mm-hmm. in each team, bro. Like it was insane. JC Kidd and Steve Nash were just going at it. And, like, wow, what a game. I think both teams put up a combined 300 points. Sheesh. Yeah, I mean, talk about scoring. You know, those those two point guards, to me, they're, they're, they're top ten for sure. They have to be on everybody's top ten list oh, all yeah, time. Oh, sure, top ten point guards all time. I mean, one thing Mike D'Antoni wished he uh, installed in Steve was to shoot more like Steph because Steve was a great shooter. 50, 40, 90, you know, 50%. From the field, uh, 40% from the three, 90% from the free throw line. And, but he was just so unselfish that he passed up an open shot to give Roger Bell a three. You know what I mean? But I wish yeah. he shot more. And also, I want to piggyback on the last question when you talked about another season. This was probably my favorite season because I was a little older. I started playing basketball, and this is the last time they made the playoffs. So I was about 13. It was that 2010 uh, Suns team? Uh, nobody expected them to make the playoffs. They were supposedly supposed to succeed. They had an aging Nash. Stoudemire just came back from an eye injury. They got players like Lou Amundsen, Robin Lopez, Jared Dudley. Nobody heard of these guys. I think <laughs> yeah. I remember that team. I think I remember that team. And then we, we uh, first round beat Portland, second round sweep the Spurs, and I'm like, uh-oh. And then we played the Lakers with Kobe. 
and we yep. lost, but a lot of people don't understand. Like the Suns kind of did what the Celtics did to LeBron, to Kobe, because you know LeBron couldn't beat the Celtics. He lost them twice, and then he went out and got his help. Kobe lost two first round exits, 2006, 2007, to the Phoenix Suns. And if a lot of people don't know, Kobe demanded a trade in 2007 because he knew he couldn't beat the Suns, or he wanted the Lakers to bring someone in. And the Lakers, you know, eventually got that trade for Paul Gasol. And then when they met up in 2010, mm-hmm. Kobe finally beat the Suns. But a lot of people don't know. The Suns, they they whooped Kobe's ass, man. <laughs> yeah, they really gave it to Kobe. I remember that, man. I mean, I could just imagine during that time, you would have to go through at least one of these guys. You'd have to go through Dirk Nowitzki mm-hmm. in Dallas, right? You would have to go through Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu, and uh, Popovich in uh, right. San Antonio. You had to go through Kobe Bryant if his team's right. in there for sure. You know, and especially after in the latter part where they had uh, Bynum playing well, they added Gasol, you know, so it was just difficult, difficult in that Western Bro, Conference. I hate the Western. And I believe Portland was even good at the time when they had Brandon Roy, Aldridge, you know, they were young, up and coming. I mean, that, that whole era of 2000 is like, it was a battle in the Western Conference every night. I remember it, every you night. Know, man. In 2008, the AC, they won 50 games. The ace that was Who the never known with Iris and Carmelo. Look at that. Look at that. I mean <laughs> <laughs> they had Nene, they had you know a good team. I remember that team. Kenyon Martin, I believe, was on that team the latter so part of his career. In that year, the Lakers were the first seed, they won fifty seven games. The Suns were the sixth seed and won fifty five games. That's crazy. Right. That's crazy. And that's only a separation of like what, five games? Two games, like fifty five to fifty seven, two game separation. that's crazy so what do you think was the main reason that this team you know just never couldn't win a championship you know was it a combination of things was it you know every year was different just talk to me a little bit about that um i think it's just a combination of just the owner being a little cheap uh bad luck um you know just things not going their way but i I personally think the owner robert sarver should have kept joe johnson and he kept giving away draft picks. Did you know Suns drafted Lou Aldang? They had they they had um Nate Robinson, like all these guys. <laughs> I believe even Andre Iguodala. But they traded all these draft picks because they didn't want it. They wanted cash. Yeah, they man. traded all those draft picks for cash consideration. And I'm over here like, bro, like what are you what are you doing? But yeah, I mean that that Suns team, they were just ahead of their time, man. Like it, it was just unheard of back in 2007. To have a power forward that's six seven, a center that's undersized, running and gunning. Like, I believe if they just continued that style, eventually they would have won. But they started to say, you know what, let's go more the traditional route. Let's get a real big. Yeah, I feel like that just ruined everything. Yeah, it was tough, man. I mean, uh, they didn't even make a finals appearance during that time, which was surprising. Yeah, but it, hey, listen, I tell people all the time. Every every Western Conference uh, that the Suns lost, the winner was that the Western Conference team. So when the Suns lost twenty ten, the Lakers won that year. Suns lost in two thousand seven, <laughs> uh, Spurs won that year. Spurs right? Won. Suns lost in two thousand five, Spurs won. So, you know, they may not have been to the finals, but those Western Conference finals to me were the finals. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, a lot of years you could say that. You know where. One of the conference finals were just that's basically the NBA finals. East. Just the way, you know, the conferences are set up, it eliminates a lot of the, 
you know, competition yeah. in the league. All right, man. I know it's been rough, rough after this period, man. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about your pain that you're going through, when, you know, when the big three of Nash, Amari, and Marion, they broke up. Just talk to me All right, about so, that. you know, growing up, like I said, I was a bandwagon. But back in, like, 2007, eight, whatever, you know, you were either a Suns fan, uh, a Pistons fan, Lakers, Spurs, you know, the teams that were good. So, like, if I'm saying, yeah, I'm a Suns fan, people are like, okay, cool, cool. But, man, the past seven, eight years, I'm like, yeah, I'm a Suns fan. Everybody's just looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, yeah. They don't know the backstory to why I'm a Suns fan. But everybody's just like, why are you a Suns fan? It's, it's been really painful, man. We've been through, like, eight lotteries in a row, losing seasons, everybody making fun of me and shit. But you got to stick with your team, bro. That's, that's, that's the beauty of it. You want to see them fall, come back up, and when they win, it's – sweeter than just joining, you know, a bandwagon team or something. That's the beauty of every sports franchise mm-hmm. that you support. You know, when they lose, it's easy to abandon them, you know. And when they win, you enjoy it more because you right. saw the development, you saw the growth, and you enjoy it way more, man. I, right. I believe that for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, I could tell you that yeah, with you the Nets, you know. When, <laughs> It's similar as the Nets, yeah. Similar with the Suns. You know, when we got rid of Kid Carter and uh, Jefferson, that era, you know, what what did we become? A lottery team in 09. We had one of the worst records I in NBA that. history. What you guys won, like 12 games? We only won 12 <laughs> games, I believe, yeah. And he's, and Devin Harris, yo. Devin Harris, Brooke Lopez. E. <laughs> you remember E. Janlian? I was just going to say him. Yo, remember him? Jarvis Hayes. We had bombs, a lot of bombs bro. on that team, man. It was just horrible. Oh, man. It was horrible. I mean, I remember I went to a game when they played uh, rookie Kevin Durant in uh, Oklahoma City, and Westbrook was there also. Oh, no, it might have been, uh, it might have been a year after, but, you know, it was – Durant was young. It might have been his first, yeah. second year in the league. And it was an overtime game. It was crazy. I'll never forget that. But the team was horrible that year, you know? She stuck with them. That's, that's like, that's the beauty of it. Like, you feel like you're part of the team. Like, I I feel like I'm a part of the Suns, even though I don't work for them or whatever. I don't know why. I just feel like I'm a part of them. So, when they lose, I'm like, ah. But when they win, it's just like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just everybody that was down to us is a big F you to them. <laughs> Yeah, it just it feels better because right. you're the only, the only one, one. with them. And you're just going against, you're going against the world and going against that. the green. I love that. You know? I've I've always been the guy to to be opposite. You know, if everybody want to be a Nixon, I'm be a Suns fan. Everybody want to rock Jordans, I'm rocking KD. So like I was just always the guy. That I just never wanted to do what everybody was doing. I feel you. I feel you, bro. All right, talk to me about this. At least there's there's some hope Ooh. in Phoenix oh. with Devin Booker. God, leave. Talk to me Man, about it. You know, it's crazy. I think uh, – what was I? Senior. It was like 2015. The Suns uh, were about to drive Devin Booker. And I believe I wanted Emmanuel Moutier because I didn't know who the hell Devin Booker was, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. Coming off the bench in Kentucky, I'm like, why are we drafting this guy? We had Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe. So, I'm like, where's the room going to be for this shooting guard that's 6'5 and all he can do is shoot? But I remember watching the game. It was his, like, first time actually getting minutes. He scored about, like, 18 points. And we won the game, and I'm like, okay, this 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 kid is really good. And then that whole season, Jeff Hornacek just just stick with the kid. Next, you know, he's dropping seventy, he's dropping fifty on people. Everybody's starting to see him, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's the real deal. So, I love Devin Booker, and I watched his sons literally probably like 
every game they played, I probably watched 90% of their games. Like, I, I'm seeing the improvement, you know, defensively, shooting-wise, everything. It's a beast. Yeah, anybody that doesn't know Devin Booker, man, he's a bucket getter, man. And he, he knows how to play the game the right way also. He's very fundamental when I look at his game, his shooting form. Everything about his game is just very, very fundamental and smart, you know. He's not the most athletic player, but he knows how to get really to crafty, the spot, yeah. you know. Just, like you said, crafty, he's, yeah. he knows how to play the right way. Like, even KD said it. Like, if you remember that video with the whole double-teaming thing, and, like, he's not the type to shoot yeah. over double-team. You know what I mean? He's the type to pass it out. That's just the type of player he is, and I love that about him. He's not selfish. Yeah, he's a very smart player, man. A lot of people don't see that. They just see him putting up a lot of scoring numbers, and they don't think he could pass the ball. You know, I've seen him make great plays. This, but this is why, I like, a lot of casual fans that don't watch basketball or take their time out to watch, don't know what they're saying. You know, I talk to a lot of people, oh, Devin Booker, he just all he does is score. And I'm like, have you watched a single Suns game? No. So you don't know what he does. You're just seeing highlights. You don't know... Yeah, so we're just watching highlights. How he's defending on ball, how he's coming off screens. You don't know what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Talking to his team. Like, if you don't game, all you're seeing is highlights. You don't know what else happens, you know? Yeah, that's true, man. Yeah, he's also friends with uh, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, man. Infamous uh, big three of that 2015 draft class. and They're very close-knitted. Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually wanted D'Lo this offseason. <laughs> From the Nets, yeah, talking about that would have been, nice. been really good. That been but nice. yeah, I mean, they're just you know friends. I feel like one day they will form that big three. I just don't know where. Maybe it's Minnesota. Who knows? It's got to be Minnesota. Yeah, they're right. Just one true. piece now. <laughs> they got D'Angelo and Carl Anthony that, that Towns now. Scary. Oh my gosh. That's... Talk to me a little bit about the second piece. You know, this there's another future. Star on oh, the yeah. rise on that Phoenix Suns team. Talk to me about that oh, big yeah. man. DeAndre DeAndre Ayton. Ayton. I mean, like you said, he's a beast. And, you know, 2018, a lot of people called him a buzz. They said, oh, Lucas averaging 30, this and that. And I get it. Like, Lucas, great. Like, don't get me wrong, all-star, going to be a future Hall of Famer. But I always tell people, man, like, first off, big men, they take longer to develop, right? And especially in the era that it is, this is a point guard-driven era, a ball-handling era, where you shoot these dribble yada 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 this is not like 1990s where you dump it in the post play inside out because if the Evers were reversed DeAndre Ayton would probably be better in the 90s <laughs> exactly oh, because offense would. would feature him Luca probably wouldn't even be able to shoot a lot of shots because in the 90s point guards don't be don't shoot 20 shots but I love DeAndre Ayton I think his ceiling is is really high on some like David Robinson blocking shots oh he's averaging what 19 and 11 second year I mean you know, that's like Anthony Davis' uh, numbers his second year. So, I, I really think the ceiling is high. He could be a 25 and 12 guy for sure. Yeah, I think his ceiling is very high as well, man. I've seen him when he's played against the Nets uh, recently. And him and Jared Allen, he just – he demolishes Jared <laughs> Allen. He, he makes him like a baby. You know, he's got a good post game. And they need to feed him the ball a little more. I, I'd like to see him get the ball in the post. You know, if, the, if, there's, the if there's one thing I, I, I didn't like about DeAndre Ayton and I'm kind of not liking is, like, he shoots too many jump shots. You know, just like a guy that's so big and strong. You know, he wants to mm-hmm. play like LaMarcus Aldridge, and I kind of want him to play like Hakeem Olajuwon. You know what I mean? Yeah, his shot selection is a little bad. But that 
that comes from the era I think that all these kids are coming up on now. I think shot selection is very horrible now. Yeah, it's just it's just about shooting threes, and then you know, like you said though, I mean he's a dog. Like you said against the Nets, destroyed Jared Allen. He had twenty five and seventeen. Like if he put his mind to it, he could really average twenty five and like fifteen. He's 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 a beast. So. He, he really can. I mean, I've seen videos of him and Joel Embiid working out. And he he works Joel yeah. Embiid's ass. Yeah. He be busting his ass. He's only 22. Like, a lot of people don't know. Like, the Suns are the youngest team in the league. You know what I'm saying? They're the youngest team in the league. DeAndre Ayton, unfortunately, had that stupid suspension, you know, with the drugs or whatever. That's 25 games missing. Like, what other team can go say, all right, let's miss the second best players missed 25 games that we're still in the playoff on. You know, everybody was comparing them to the Grizzlies. Oh, the Grizzlies made the playoffs. I said, okay, if you're if the Grizzlies' second best player at that time, who I don't even know who it is, but if he missed if he missed 25 games, I doubt they're in the playoffs. Jaron Jackson. Jared Jackson, I think. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna even say this. I'm gonna outstretch this. I personally think DeAndre Eaton can be the best player for the Phoenix Suns. I I think he is that good. He impacts the game more than Devin Booker. I'm gonna say that. But yeah, that, that's bold. I'm, I'm telling that's you, that dude, statement. he can do it all. He can really dominate. So he really can, man. Uh, I think the ceiling is very high for him. And like you said, you know, it takes time mm. for these players to develop. You know, not everyone's going to come what, into the league and dominate. You know, <laughs> Thank not you. everyone's like, LeBron James. You know, a lot of people, you know? they, they get mad at the rookies not doing this and that. I'm like, wait, dude, did you look at his age? And they're like, what? I'm like, dude, he's like 20 years old. Like, what do you expect? Like you said, not everybody's LeBron. You have to give these guys, you know, time. Like, Steve Nash didn't win MVP until he was, like, 35, bro. Like, <laughs> like some exactly. players just take longer than others. I mean, usually by the third year, you do know what type of player they are. Um, but the thing with the NBA now is they're drafting players so young, and GM think young players win championships when, in reality, it's the, the older players win championships. The, the last young team to – have success was the um, Oklahoma City Thunder. You know? Yeah. And they were all lucky because they all developed quick. You know, they came into the league, made an impact. And what's the chance of you drafting three Hall of Fame players? It's really slim. It's hard. It's hard, man. I mean, the draft, the draft, you have to be That's why I like Pat Riley's method. It's just, he'd rather go after free agents because he knows draft is like hit or miss, you know? Yeah, I, I noticed that with Pat Riley, he makes a lot of great moves, and he just he picks up uh, free agents mostly rather than his, you right. know, his draft method being strong. I mean, you know, even though the Suns are the youngest team in the league, you know, last season they won like 17 games. This season, before uh, Corona happened, they were on like 28, 29 games. That's a huge improvement, and that's because they got some veterans, which I mm-hmm. like. Like I remember we were discussing about the whole D'Angelo Russell come to Phoenix. When they signed Rubio, I told you, I said, you know, I kind of like this one because Rubio is 29, a little older, past first point guard. You know, him, uh, D'Angelo Russell and D-Book, they probably going to hang out. And Rubio's not about that. He's just like, yo, let's go to work. I've been on uh, playoff teams. We've signed Aaron Baines, who's a um, playoff guy. The GOAT, exactly. The GOAT. The GOAT, man. Get veterans. The That's the only way you win. You, you can't win with guys, man. It's, just, it's not happening. If anybody that didn't follow the NBA early on in the 2019-20 season, the Phoenix Suns were probably a top five team. Literally. In like the first part Literally, of the season, they were. Like the first month. And then reality hit. Um, 
But, you know, it's okay because you, you learn from it. I just like where the team is going. They finally have, like, an identity, structure. Uh, you know, like, a lot of bad teams. Like, for example, Sacramento Kings, I think the last time they made the playoffs was, like, 06. And the reason why is because you could probably name 30 coaches from the Sacramento Kings, but I bet you can only name one for the Spurs, right? <laughs> See, it's like that continuity. Like, mm-hmm. just keeping the same core. Sacramento's always trading draft picks, doing this. So I kind of like what Phoenix is doing. It's like, all right, we got our GM and James Jones. We got our two stars. We got our coach in Monty Williams. So we're starting to have a culture. We're starting to keep players. We're not going to keep trading, doing this, doing that. Like, let's keep this core. We got Kelly Oubre, which I love. Great potential. Oh, I like that kid. I was going to get right into him right now, man. Yeah, I was just going to talk about him because, you know, He's another guy that you know. As soon as yep. uh, I, I believe same, Washington same draft drafted as him, right? Yeah, so that's another guy. He didn't develop right away. He wouldn't come into the team and make an mm-hmm. impact right away, right? So look at him now. He's he's gradually getting better each year, and this year oh, was probably sure. his Having best season. Like I think nineteen points, and the Wizards they gave up on him. That's what I'm saying. You cannot give up on these young players. They and gave they up. Came to Phoenix, and what I loved about Uber was like he changed the culture too. Like he brought some swag to Phoenix. Like they call it the Valley Boys. You know what I mean? They, he just shifted the whole culture up. Like, all right, we're gonna have some swag if we're gonna be a good team. He can people screaming, doing head bobs. I'm just like, this is what I love. I love that competitiveness, that tenacity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's bringing a lot of you know swag to that sure. uh, Phoenix Suns organization, and. You know, he, he reminds me – I'm not saying he's going to get to that level, but he reminds me of, you know, how the D'Angelo right. Russell developed a little bit. You know, it took a little longer his first two, three years, and then his fourth year he became an all-star. Look, prime Brooklyn, example. You know? yeah. I'm not saying – yeah, I'm not saying Kelly Oubre is going to be right. an all-star in his fourth year, everybody. I'm just saying, you know, he might get better. And, you know, the numbers are proving it. He's just getting better each year constantly. Right. He's only like 23, 24. And another example of what I'm saying, the Lakers got rid of D'Angelo too quick. And look what happened. <laughs> See, these teams just wait keep trading. These young players, I'm like, dude, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Wow. For sure, man. For sure, man. Anything else you'd like to talk about the Phoenix Suns, man? Just yeah, uh, let um, it dish it out, man. I'm excited. I, I'm 2020s, I think there will be – they won't be the laughing stock in the NBA. I know the 2010s, everybody was laughing at them, laughing at me. But I think in the 2020s, I think things are going to be different. Like I said, we have James Jones, proven winner. And if you look at who he drafts, uh, he drafts older guys and he drafts three-point shooters. You look at Ty Jerome coming out of college, uh, Cameron Johnson, UNC, Mikael Bridges. Those are all four-year players, and they all can shoot. So I kind of see where James Jones is going. He wants to go more towards like, okay, let me get older people rather than keep drafting these 17, 18, 19-year-olds who just not going to develop in time. Like, we're moving in the right direction. We still got a lot of ways to improve, such as our bench. Backup point guard, we definitely need that. But I think we're going to be a force in the West, man. I don't – I think in the next four or five years, I'm not even – two, three years, I think they'll be like a top four seed in the West. Yeah, that's that's a big statement, man. And I just hope, <laughs> for your sake, I hope they keep Devin Booker. Yeah, I hope they keep Devin Booker, man. Well, I hope he doesn't leave. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna leave. So I mean, but like I said, like the coach Monty Williams has great reputation. James Jones, as long as Ross Starr just doesn't 
interrupt things or disrupt anything. I, I think the songs would be fine, man. I, I was just so happy for them that the fact that they went from like 17 games, they're 29 games, just fighting for a playoff spot is fun, man. Like, I, I didn't like watching the Suns when I knew they weren't even gonna try to make the playoffs. At least the fact that they were trying to get to the AC is just fun in itself. Yeah, Monty Williams, he's a very underrated coach in the league. I think he needs a little bit more credit, especially when they, you know, he was on those, uh, those Hornets teams yeah, that had Chris sure. Paul and David West. Man. And uh, those I teams think the well coach of Thunder, man. like KD said, he's a great coach. I mean, he's he's a good guy, man. I mean, like I said, the Suns have, have something good going for them. You know, like a lot of teams, how many teams can really say, like, all right, we got two young studs that are, like, top 30, top 40 in the NBA. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, a great coach. Not a lot of young teams, so I'm excited. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I feel you on that, man. I'm going to end it on this note, man. Jason <laughs> Kidd's better than Steve Nash. You know what? I really had a debate with, with someone about this uh, a couple months ago. I, I personally, like, if I had to start, I would definitely pick Jason Kidd because he can do a little more, like, rebound and stuff. But... I'd rather watch Steve Nash, like just to watch. Like I think he just is is uh is more fun to watch. But I agree with you, J. Kid is better than Nash. Oh yeah, man! Both players were just they were great, man. I'm just, I'm <laughs> yeah, just picking your bones right now. I'm just picking you, messing around with you. But you know, Steve Nash and Jason Kidd, man, those two were greats, man. And you know, you're, you're fine with you, either I'll one of your team. I'll tell you that much. Next season, the Suns are going to win both games versus the Nets. Mark my words. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, if that sleeping I, I giant wakes up, it's over for the whole league, man. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for joining, man. Yes, sir. Good See luck you, to your sons in the future, man. No problem. Have a good one. Thanks a lot. <laughs>